Heavenly Father, let us adore you. You've done so much for us that all we can do is praise you with everything that we have. Help us to acknowledge everything that you've done and to submit all that we are to you. We praise you in your son's name. Amen. You can be seated. We're going to see how this goes today. I've been in a trial all week long. Yesterday I started feeling not very well. I don't have a ton of a voice, and I've been having a lot of coughing. So we'll see how it goes. I'm going to be a little more monotone than I normally am, because as I use inflection and speak louder, I tend to cough more. So thankful that you've joined us uh, today, whether you're here in person or you're tuning in online somewhere else. We've been in a series called The Christmas Playlist, and it's a, a bit of a twist on the traditional Christmas series by incorporating several of our favorite and well-known songs of the season. And hopefully you've known the previous two that we've looked at, the first Noel and Away in a Manger, but, but even if you weren't all that familiar with those, I have no doubt that you're going to know today's joy to the world. Is there anyone here today who could just use a little bit more joy in your life? Maybe a little bit more good news in your life. See, Psalms tells us this. It says, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known. First, you had a double slide there. Make his salvation known for him. The Lord has made his salvation and has revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst in the jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord, the King. What a wonderful psalm of praise. We sing the song, Joy to the World, celebrating the fact that, as the song says, the Lord is come. See, that is our reality today as believers. The Lord is come. So this morning, I want to tell you a little bit about joy from the Bible itself, helping us to grasp a greater understanding of that which leads us into the type of praise talked about here in Psalm chapter 98. So let's, let's jump in. I want you to think for a moment about the most joyous time in your life. Now, if you're married, that probably should be your wedding. Or it could be the birth of your children. 
I, I remember when Amy and I got married in, on the beautiful island of St. Lucia, and I would say I saw her coming down the bride, but it was really down the, down the aisle, but it was really just a path to a cabana. But when I saw her coming down that path to a cabana, the joy that I felt was amazing. See, earlier in week one of this series, we talked a little bit about the difference between joy and happiness. Joy seems to be something that the Holy Spirit will put inside of us that we simply can't contain. Joy is, in fact, one of the fruits of the Spirit outlined in Galatians chapter 5. It's, it's something that is meant to be present, to even guide us through the exciting times, but also through the difficult times, through the difficult situations that we will face in this life. See, many would refer to joy as a key indicator that you are a follower of Christ, which is why we must talk about what true joy looks like today and, and most importantly, why <coughs> we have true joy. See, joy helps us to remember. Psalm 98.3, that which you just read, says, He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. See, one of my favorite concepts, probably in all of Scripture, is that of remembering. Some of us here today have good memories that we think back on, while others may have memory problems. Regardless, we serve a God who constantly remembers his promises. How often do God's people forget his goodness and his faithfulness in our lives? In Exodus chapter 15, the people of Israel had just been delivered from captivity in Egypt taken to the Red Sea. Red Sea is parted just as God had promised that he would. And they sing a song to the Lord of deliverance, one that mirrors in many ways what we read in Psalm chapter 98. They're clearly experiencing great joy because of their freedom. However, not long after, we begin to read about their complaints. We read these in Numbers chapter 11 where he says, Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord, and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So that place was called Tabra, because the fire the Lord had burned among them. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost, also the cucumbers and the melons and the onions and the leeks and the garlic. Numbers chapter 21 says they spoke against God and against Moses 
and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food. They're clearly talking about tofu. Now, I know what you're thinking. How could the Israelites complain when they had just seen God provide for them by opening up the Red Sea for them to escape from Egypt? How could they not trust God after all of that? I mean, it's easy for us to say today, isn't it? But had we been in that situation, maybe our response would have been similar to that of the Israelites. Think about a time in your life when, when you had a hard time remembering all that God had done for you. A time when, 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 you, when you should have remembered his faithfulness, but you still struggled. See, we, we all tend to have a selective memory. Often we think back to our past, certain seasons, and we remember only the lowest points, only the times that frustrated us the most. And this compounds onto our current frustrations and kind of spirals us out of control. And eventually, we need someone to blame, a scapegoat for all of our problems. And more often than not, that ends up being God. How little we learned from the Israelites. For the Israelites, they thought back to the dark season of their lives in Egypt as if it were far better than their present. That we as a people do not have a very good memory. And how soon we seem to forget God's faithfulness. But what does the Bible say about God's memory? Remember 90, Psalms 98, chapter 3? He has remembered his promise to love and to be faithful to his people. See, this, this reality should bring us abundant joy. Here's what I need you to hear today. Even when we are unfaithful, even when we are are unfaithful God is always faithful to his promises he remembers those promises and what what do these promises sound like Genesis chapter 12 says then the Lord said to Abram go from the go from your country your people your father's household to the land I will show you I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God is the one. He is the one who gives good gifts, one of which is the gift of joy through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have joy because of the righteousness of God. 
We do not have joy because of God's promises, but also just not just because of those promises, but also because of his righteousness. Psalm 98.2 told us that the Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. Someone who's acting in righteousness is literally one who's conformed to the will of God. If God is righteous himself, he serves as a model for us, teaching us what righteousness looks and sounds like, most clearly through the person and the ministry of Jesus. In fact, Romans chapter 1 says this, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. See, this verse, this verse helps us to see that by placing our faith in the work and in the person of Jesus Christ, that we are made righteous. It's not an act that we ourselves do. Rather, this is the work of God in and through us. Therefore, we are seen as righteous in God's sight. Maybe today, maybe today you, you look at the person of, of you look at the person of Jesus that we read about in the gospel accounts and you say to yourself, well, sure, Jesus is someone who is perfect. But I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. Was there anyone who was counted as righteous? was broken and sinful just like us in the land of us there was a man whose name was Job this man was blameless and upright he feared and shunned evil the Bible says that God was a man who lived a blameless life one of the qualities of the, a righteous life was being blameless in fact, this man, Job, was described this way by God himself. God says, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant, Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. See, this is the kind of man that I desire to be in my life. A flawed man but a man who stays committed to God. It's easy to have joy when things are going well in our lives. What about when our situation takes a turn for the worse? It's exactly what happens in the story of Job as Satan takes most of his possessions and his family away from Job and leaves him with only his wife. And when she complains, listen how Job responds. He replied, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. See, this is surely the response from someone who seeks to continue living a righteous and a blameless life. It certainly isn't an easy way to live. But it is worth it. Think about a time when you've had a Job moment. 
when something bad happened in your life and maybe, maybe just maybe you responded poorly. Maybe you were frustrated. Maybe you were even angry. But somehow against all of the odds, you were able to remain and to maintain your joy. A couple weeks ago at work, I was meeting with the family and I'll tell you, they, they did not like me. They still don't like me. There were some words that I hadn't heard in a long time, some accusations that probably I can't, well, I know I can't repeat. They didn't like me. No matter what I said, it was against them. And I sat there, and what I wanted to do was raise my voice and yell right back at him. But I just sat there and took it. I sat there and I listened. I sat there as I yelled and screamed so loud that other people kept walking by the conference room and looking in to make sure that I was okay. I just sat there. You see, it's easy to respond in frustration. It's hard to respond like Job. Was Job, would Job, have, would Job have been justified in striking out and lashing out? Would I have been when that family was yelling at me? Probably. But a blameless and a righteous life, maintaining your joy, Job responded better. To God can handle our frustrations. He can handle our pain. There are seasons that we all go through that cause us grief. But even in the middle of our grief, even in the middle of our pain, we can understand that if we have placed our faith in Jesus, that God has already counted us as righteous before God. Therefore, we still have a reason to rejoice. Maybe this is the very season that you find yourself in right now. Maybe you've suddenly lost a loved one. And you don't know why God would allow you to sit in this pain. Or maybe it's your job. Maybe it's a career that you felt you would, would take you to retirement. But the narrative has changed and you're in pain because of it. But right here, in the middle of your pain, Hear me say this. If you know Jesus, then you know righteousness. If you know Jesus, you know hope. If you know Jesus, you know comfort. If you know Jesus, then you know peace. And therefore, if you know Jesus, then you know the source of all true joy remember him remember his righteousness in your life and jesus has rescued us you and i he's rescued us from sin and death we have joy because of that rescue and finally today one of the last things i would want to would love to share with you is about why we should have joy According to Psalm chapter 98 and other books in the Bible, we have joy because of God's rescue plan for us. 
When Jesus Christ came to this earth in the form of a child born in the manger as we talked about last week, God brought his plan of rescue for all of humanity closer than ever before. Let's revisit the beginning of verse 2 in that psalm that we've been looking at today. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has announced his victory. And what is this victory? The incarnation, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus, the victory is for all of humanity over sin and over death. John 3.16, For God so loved the whole world. Because of Jesus, there is a way back to having an intimate communion, an intimate relationship with God. What was broken in the Garden of Eden because of Adam's sin has now been restored through the sacrifice of Jesus. Paul puts it another way in Romans chapter 5. He says, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. See, this is the promise of all promises. Christ has reversed the curse of sin. He has given us a better identity to be a part of one of righteousness. As a song says, the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love should lead us to a place of rejoicing. As Christmas approaches, we can know that our king has come, that he has rescued us from this trap of sin. And we've covered a lot of ground today from Exodus in Egypt to the Psalms to Paul, to Paul in the book of Romans, though through it all, there's one truth that remains the same. The righteous, faithful love of God for his people will always remain the same. It's because of this truth that we can rejoice today. It's because of him that we can sing joy to the world, the king is come. And it's important to remember that God's love is powerful enough for the entire world and specific enough for your life. He knows your every need. He knows your silent prayers. He knows your struggles, your hopes, and your dreams. He's a good, good father. And today, I want to invite you into a relationship with him. He is the fountain of eternal and everlasting joy. Heavenly Father, today we remember you and all of your promises. Just the thought of your righteous love brings a smile 
to our faces. Thank you for rescuing us, for rescuing us from sin and death through your one and only Son, Jesus. Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for providing joy 